this is what it says. I charge you, therefore, before God. Okay, and this is an apostle, because he's had face-to-face -face contact with Jesus Christ. Okay, And much different than the other apostles. The other apostles were commissioned by the earthly Christ, okay, who hadn't yet went to Calvary, died, paid for our sins, and then ascended up on high and sat at the right hand. This guy, Paul the Apostle, was. He was commissioned by the glorified, the risen, glorified Christ. He's the only apostle that ever was. And that's why we get all this heavenly truth about our, where we're located, our position in Christ. But he said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick, you know, oh, what are they, fast? No, they're living. Who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Okay. Then look what it says. Preach the word. This is where it's present imperative. In other words, right now, I command you. He can command us because in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he's bought us with a price. Therefore, it says, we are not our own. Okay? Someone bought, paid the price for us. We didn't. We were in bondage. We were in sin. We were separated from him, separated from life, living life in, in bodies, but dead spiritually. So he paid a price. And so he says, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, that's very popular. <laughs> Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Oh. You mean when someone opposes me, when they disagree with me? Yes, Second Timothy 2, verse 24, you look what it says. And the servant, well look at verse 23, and but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Now, he may not be popular when he does that, but that's what he's supposed to do. Knowing that they do gender strifes. It's interesting how God the Holy Spirit wrote that. He must have known what he was talking about when he wrote that. And then he said in verse 24, And the servant of the Lord, okay, the servant, one whose will is swallowed up in the will of another. He's due loss. He has absolutely, he doesn't have his own rights. He lives to serve his master. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. He must not strive. But, in contradistinction, totally different, but be gentle unto all. Mm. Then it says this, apt to teach. And apt to teach literally says in the original languages that the pastor is to be highly skillful in the Word of God. You look at the Amplified, it'll bring it out in 2 Timothy 2.15 and, and verse 24, they'll bring out some of the Greek scholars that, that really nail this word, what it really means. But he's to be highly skillful in the Word of God, apt to teach, and what? Patient. In other words, he's forbearing. Forbearing. Long, long. In meekness, 
right? Instructing those that oppose themselves. They may not even know it, that they're opposing themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance, a change of mind, to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So, he's to preach the word. And really what it says is, whether it's received or not, preach the word. Whether it's convenient or not, preach the word. <laughs> whether you feel like it or not, herald, preach the word. See what it says? Preach the word. Right? And who is the word? We've been saying lately. Well, it's Jesus Christ. You are to preach Christ. That's why Paul said again in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ. And us, his servants, for your sake. Think about that. So, that's what they're to do, is, is to preach the word, and to be instant, in season and out of season. And we're to do it to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? Why? Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. And let me tell you, I see it. Mm -hmm. I see it today. Mm -hmm. I see it in men that were pastors that I have known and that really preached some beautiful messages. Oh my gosh, you ought to hear it now. Oh, I don't get so much, much upset. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right word. Uh, Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. How do you sin? Well, you're only angry at the things that God's angry with. Mm -hmm. You have a perfect hatred in Psalm 139, verse 21, 22. You have perfect hatred. Mm -hmm. And uh, Psalm 97, verse 10, All ye that love God hate evil. Mm -hmm. You hate the evil. You do. But... Uh, I mean, so much that's going on today. For instance, universalism. A universalist. What is that? What's a universalist? Well, sooner or later, sooner or later, everybody's going to get out of hell. Yeah, everyone. That's huge right today. It's huge. It really is huge. Why? Well, because he's a God of love. <laughs> well, okay. But there are scores and scores of scriptures mm -hmm. that absolutely, totally oppose that. And they want to stay on one Greek word, A-I-O-N, or A-I-O-N-O-S. And that one Greek word for age and time really doesn't mean that in that sense. But everybody's going to get out. Everyone gets up. And then they've gone even further now. They, that was for months they were, were peddling that stuff, even on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Now, there is no hell whatsoever. There's not even a hell. There's, not, there's no hell. God, no, no. 
God, my God is the God of love. There's no way he would cause his enemies to burn in hell. There's no way. Of course, Jesus Christ spoke about hell in the Synoptics Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, over some 230-something times when he spoke about heaven like maybe 80-something times. It's like two to one. Right? So it's really, yeah, it's really real. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, honestly. I mean, to take all of that. So, because it says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Why do they not want to continue to hear right teaching? Why do they not want to do it? Because after their own lusts, <laughs> that's right, their own lusts, they will heap to themselves teachers. Well, unfortunately, okay, who, who then would be their teachers? If they leave the Word of God, Christ, and they leave what He has said and what He's about, and they leave truth, proper teaching, preaching and teaching, if they leave that, what do they leave it for? Well, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, Satan is an angel of what? Light. That's what he is. He's an angel of light. And does he also have, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15, his ministers? So he plays on their lusts, what they desire, really, because truthfully, they just want to live the way they want to live. That's what they want. And then what happens? Well, they start teaching it. They start peddling that. And who do they become a minister for? Are they teaching Christ? Well, what happens when, what, what, what are they doing when they do this? Well, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says this, Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, it's the Greek word retos, uh, R-H-E-T-O-S, retos, li literally, and it means he is speaking, he is so outspoken about this, this is the Greek word, he is so speaking so strongly and clearly for us to completely understand this, that the Holy Spirit speaks expressly, with clearness, with clarity and absolute distinctness, that in the latter times, and boy, are we in the latter times. Some will depart from the faith. The faith literally here is talking about all those teachings and doctrines that make up the truth of Christianity. Not Christendom, but Christianity. All those truths about what, who Christ is and what he's done about who Christ is and what he has spoken. They depart from the faith, from sound teaching. 
giving he, and when they do, they give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what they give into. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Oh, hypocrisy. They're pretenders. Because it's almost like they're saying again in Psalm 14, one through verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, and there is, as italicizes we shared the other night, the fool has said in his heart, no, God, no. <laughs> no, I don't want there to be a hell. Where does that come from? I mean, where's Satan going to be ending up? Mm. Oh, he doesn't want hell. Hell no. <laughs> no, hell, hell That's no. That's the Spanish version. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want that. So, okay. So when I don't give heed to, to right teaching about Jesus Christ, what he said, what he's accomplished, what do I give myself over to? Well, if I truly am born again, if I truly am saved then I get myself over to an angel of light. Is it light? Oh, God. God is such love. There's no hell. He's nothing but love. Really? Wow. Okay. So Jesus died. So no one has to receive him. They can live any way they want. Any way they want. And they might end up in hell for some, but they're going to get out anyway. Or, guess what? Well, live the way you want, do whatever you want, because there is no hell. To hell with that idea. And that's exactly where it comes from. That's exactly where it comes from. They speak lies and hypocrisy. Why? They have their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's cauterized. There's no feeling. They, give, they don't give place to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They don't. And I just hope in some cases, and only God knows this, that they truly are born again. Because there'll be countless that say in Matthew 7, 22 and 23, Lord, Lord, did not we do many things in your name. And what will he say to them? Depart from me, you that work iniquity. See what it says? Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And what was found in Satan, in Ezekiel 28, verse 15, it says he was perfect in all his ways till iniquity was found in him. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. But that is going on wholesale. These kind of these kinds of teachings. There's what's going there's a lack of teaching. There's no teaching. There's wrong teaching. That's why Jesus said in Mark four, verse twenty four, be careful what you hear in terms of even receiving it too. We have to be so careful about what we hear. Luke 8, 18, be careful how you hear. James 1, 19, be more ready to hear 
the right truth. Truth and the Holy Spirit will bear witness uh, with our spirit. But they're going to depart. They're going to be put away. They're going to remove themselves. They're going to remove and cease from someone or something. That's what it means to depart. Amazing. They're going to withdraw. They fall away. They stand in contrast to those that truly walk by faith. And really in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith, not by our senses. Not by our natural senses, because they will deceive us continually. That's why it's so important to know the mind of Christ. It's so important when the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, for the believer now I'm speaking, it's so important to hear him. Because he will guide us into all truth. That's right. He'll guide us away from error. He will. And he'll guide us into all truth. That's what he'll do. He's a continually to guide us into all truth. In other words, it's this word. This word of God. Christ. He'll, he'll guide us in it. He'll deliver us from so much. But we need, because literally... We need to hear from him so much because in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the natural man receives not the things of God. So we all have this flesh in us. Thank God it's not who we are. We're not of it, but it's still in us. And boy, we need to be so careful, so watchful, in such intimate fellowship with Christ continually. And it's imperative that we continually have right teaching and we're fed Jesus Christ continually. So we don't get into all these things. Because when wrong truth comes in, once it goes in, we have to deal with it. It has to be dealt with. And God will do that. We've all. And God will be faithful to do it. But it can be harmful and hurtful at the same time at the same time. So, some are going to depart from the faith. It's very, very, uh, and really what it's saying is, is that they will leave the truth. In other words, they will leave the objective truth of the Word of God. You know what happens when we do that? We get very subjective, and that's where the enemy can come in. When the emphasis becomes on ourself, my choice, what I desire, outside of Christ, when that happens, boy, he can he can really take advantage of us. He, we give him a handle when that happens. So, they they what they they leave sound teaching. They leave sound teaching, and boy oh boy, it's the dative here in the Greek, and it's to the disadvantage. It's to their dis disadvantage when they give their self attention to what these doctrines of demons teach. Sure, so many of us, we've gone through things. We have. But God's faithful to lead us. 
Maybe we were we went to a certain place and maybe we got hurt, okay? But God, while we wait on him and trust him in Proverbs three, verse five, with our whole heart, and we need to trust in him. And how can we trust in him apart from what he said through his word? What he's declared to the very person of Jesus Christ. And when we don't trust in him, and that's what's happening with scores of so-called teachers and preachers, self-appointed, self-appointed, not sent by God. They don't trust in God, same measure we don't. We lean to our own understanding. And there's where the problems are. There's where the trouble is. And our own understanding, that's not derived from trusting Him through His Word, through Christ, where did that come from? Who did we walk according to before we received Jesus Christ? Ephesians 2, 1-3, we walked according to the, to the prince and power of this air. We were, we were, by nature, children of what? Disobedience. And that's what the enemy, the finalization of everything he tries to do in our life, is to get us to live in disobedience. So we don't reap the beautiful results of the obedience that we receive from what Christ has accomplished. And it can be very, very, it's very, very big. Really, the most important thing, seriously, about a Christian, a believer, is to be taught the right way. It's the most important thing. It is. And to be taught... Truthfully, that there is no other gospel in Galatians 1, 6 and 9 than the gospel of grace. There's not, not, not anything that puts the emphasis on the self is opening us up to anything that's out of, outside of Christ. And it leaves us open to the atmosphere. Works, oh boy. The emphasis on self. Putting the emphasis on self. But what does God have for us? We are, in Philippians 2 verse 5, to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to let, in Colossians 3 verse 16, the word of God, Christ himself, to find a home in us and to dwell richly within us. We need to. And we need to continually receive it too. As much as we can. As much as we can. Because there's an enemy. And the truth of the matter is, he never stops projecting imaginations against faith. Never. He doesn't stop. He doesn't sleep. And what does it mean when he projects imaginations against faith? He projects imaginations to the believer so that he won't constantly, that believer won't constantly depend upon Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's accomplished as the very truth in their life. And boy, oh boy, in John 6.63, it is the Holy Spirit that quickens, that brings about the energy and the life of Christ in us. Yeah. 
It is, it is the Holy Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. It doesn't profit. These kinds of teachings that are going around. And I don't have a problem if a, you know, if a person struggles with that themselves. But when they adopt that as their lifestyle and start putting it out there and leading all kinds of others down that road, then I've got a problem. Then I'm going to preach the word. Not against them, but against what they peddle. Yes, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not flesh and blood. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Then it says in verse 5, casting down imaginations. Uh, is it true? Oh, I just want to imagine that, that hell doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Casting down imaginations. And watch, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then having any readiness to revenge all your disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And who fulfilled all our obedience? What we could never do. It's Jesus Christ. And we need to continue to receive it. And when we, we continue to receive the very life that's ours, Christ in Colossians 3 verse 4, it revenges and, and delivers us from so much of what the flesh, flesh's disobedience would cause. The flesh in Romans 7.18 profits, and in John 6.63, it profits nothing. There's no good in it. There's no good in that kind of stuff. That kind of, can't even call it, well, you can call it the worst teaching, very bad teaching. But there's so much of it that's going on. And we need to continue to receive the mind of Christ. Yet we have it. How should we know that we could be instructed? 1 Corinthians 2.16 But we have the mind of Christ. We do. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit in 1 John 2.20. He's the unction that we have. Thank God we have him in us. Because he's always going to guide us into truth, as we said in John 16, 13, and 14. He's going to guide us into truth. And who is truth? It's Jesus Christ in John 14, verse 6. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them. That means set them apart from something into something continually. Sanctify them in your word, your truth. Your word is truth. What he said about hell is truth. It's true. Thank God we don't ever have to think about going there. Thank God for that. But there's a real hell. Yes, there, yes, there is. There's, it's definitely real. No doubt. Soon to be cast into the lake of fire. So much. If that's not true, what's next? Sooner or later. What would, what would be next? You know? Very, very serious things. Very serious. 
So, should their unbelief in Romans 3, verse 3, make the word of God of none effect? Verse 4, God forbid. Let God be true, be truth, and every man a liar that says anything other than what this book says. It's tried. It's true. Listen. John the Apostle said, he said it in his latter days, in 1 John 2.18, he said, even now there are many antichrists. What's an antichrist? Some big, bad, mean, old, ugly-looking monster? No. You just, you just will share and say what Christ said is not true. Because he talked about hell in those synoptic gospels. So he didn't mean what he said. So are you in that area antichrist of what he said? He said, even now there are many antichrists. Think about it. He said, and they went out the 19th verse. They went out from us because they were not of us. For if they were of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. It's a scary thing. Of means constituted of the exact same substance. That a lot of them, seriously, weren't even born again. That's why Paul said, and we'll close, but that's why Paul said in Acts 20, verse 27, he said, For I have not shunned or kept back to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Guard yourselves. Take heed unto yourself. And then he said, he's saying to men of God and pastors, those that have any, that have a position that God has graciously, lovingly given to serve, and by the way, that's why God has gifted the pastors, because they're to be an absolute servant to the body of Christ. And we've said before, the body of Christ, the local assembly, they're not for the pastor. The pastor is for them. But he said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Okay, is that just the pastors? No, we know the truth. God's given all of us the truth. We need to guard the flock. You need to guard yourself and tell the truth to others to protect them. To all the flock, but in that sense, but over the which the Holy Spirit has made you to oversee, to look for needs, to minister to, to tell the truth, to tell them the truth and don't hold back. To feed the church of God. You look at what's the church is being peddled, the food, the stuff that it's fed, and people just swallow it down whole because they don't know any better. And should we say something? Should we stand up for the truth? Lovingly, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. But nevertheless, speak the truth. Defend the faith in Jude 3. To feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Look at verse 29. For I know this, 
This is what Paul was saying, that after my departing, will grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. They don't care. Even if they know they don't care, what they have received that's not of the truth will hurt the flock, will hurt the sheep. Also of your own selves will men arise, speaking perverse things. We're hearing it today, folks. Boy, we know it's very close for Christ to be coming back. Thank God. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. Think about it, you know. We can join all our loved ones on the other side. Right? Because then, finally, we've been delivered. And by the way, we have been delivered from the power of sin. That's a fact. That's right. Christ in you has delivered you and I from the power of sin. In other words, we don't have to sin. We really don't. 1 John 2, 1. Clearly, in the original languages, makes it very clear that we don't have to sin. But when we do, we do have an advocate in the second verse. And she's Jesus Christ the righteous. But we've been delivered from the power of sin. But thank God, finally, when we see him face to face, we've been delivered from the presence of sin. We won't ever have to hear that kind of foolishness ever again. We'll be delivered from the presence of sin. So he said, Also of your own selves will men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Do they really care about the sheep? <laughs> Therefore, watch. Boy, that's a key. We need to watch our own lives. In the lives of our loved ones, in prayer. In prayer. And as the Holy Spirit leads and gives us opportunity to speak the truth to them in love and not hold back. And not fear offending them. How about loyalty to Christ and what he's accomplished on their behalf? Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, do you imagine? Three years in Ephesus. I cease not to warn everyone, night and day with tears. <clears throat> and then he did this, and I love this right here. Boy, you ought to see this in the original. I really love this. And now, brethren, you that are one with me in Christ, I commend you to God. Oh, I love that. He did not commend them to any other man. It's making it very clear. No man, no man is your authority. We all have been given authority. Yes. The authority of his unbelievable love. But no man is your authority or mine. He doesn't command them, command them to any order of men. Not even apostles in his day. Not an apostle. Not to their successors, by the way. Or to general councils or to their decrees, or to fathers, or their tradition, or to doctors. This is the original. 
or their dogmas, what they teach. But he said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Jeez, must be talking about Jesus Christ again. Really. Because who's the word in John 1, 1? Who's the truth in John 17, 17? In John, in John 14, verse 16? That's why in Ephesians 4, 15, we can speak the truth in love. In Christ, who we are. We can speak the truth in love. Absolutely. But, I commend you to God. And to the word of His grace, to God the Father and Jesus Christ. Why? Which is able to build you up. Who's the only one that can build us up? It's Jesus Christ. And to give you an inheritance. No man ever gave you, no pastor, no doctor ever gave you an inheritance. Other than Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, <clears throat> there's one mediator between God and men. It is the man, Christ Jesus. I've heard people refer to certain men of God as the man. Well, I got news for you. The man is Jesus Christ. Put up the biggest, fattest period you could ever put right there. That's him. It's Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and to give you, to constantly reveal to you your inheritance. That's why he's your only authority. No pastor, no man. Now, a pastor, who is he? He's your servant. That's right. Really? Absolutely. That's kirecto. In the Greek, it's kirecto. <laughs> Among all them that are sanctified. Those that, oh, and by the way, who made them sanctified? Who sanctified them? Who caused them and made them to be holy? Hebrews 2, verse 11. Both he that sanctifies and them that are sanctified are all of one. And that's why in the 12th verse of Hebrews 2, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. And for all the, the women, sistren. <laughs> but brethren, it includes everybody. It includes everybody. Listen. <clears throat> no, no one but Jesus Christ will prevail for you in the presence of grievous wolves. No one but Him. We need to know Him. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3.10, he's approximately 67 years of age, he's chained to a guard, he knows it's over for him, and he said, I want to know Him. Oh boy. The peace, the assurance, the beauty, the fact that we can continue to know Him. Because when I know Him, I know who He is in me and who I am in Him. Very vital to know Him. Who He is and what He's accomplished. For God the Father and for me, for you and I, His sheep. He's the only one that will prevail when they come in and start spewing their perverse things. <laughs> Nothing but God Himself will do. No man. Nothing but God Himself and nothing but His Word of Grace will cause you and I to stand 
in an evil day, and we live in an evil day and age, believe me. Boy, oh boy. You see it on Facebook, you see it on the news, you see it everywhere at the printed page. Listen, he's the only one that can cause us to stand and even enable us to continue to stand. It's Jesus Christ, no man. And he doesn't put things on you. In Job 23 verse 14, he performs the thing that he requires. And the only thing he requires of you and I is to receive the performance of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for us. That's right. That's why grace is always in the passive voice in the Greek. It's not do, do, do to be accepted. Oh boy. Anyway, I'm going to lay off before I get in too deep. Listen. Thank God that we can have, by God's grace, men that, and it's all Him, that are devoted to Him, that are single-minded, single-hearted, workmen, that only seek to connect souls with God by means of His Word. There's no connection to God outside of Jesus Christ. That's why I preach Christ. Because what else is there? Do we even have a Bible without Christ? The last time I checked, He's the Word. The last time I checked, He created everything. John 1.3, Colossians 1.16. That's right, Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, created everything. Holds it together. Hebrews 1.3. Framed it all. Hebrews 11, verse 3 came and put on humanity in John 1.14 and became the just, dying for the unjust in 1 Peter 3.18 to bring us to God. Who's the only one that can bring me to God? Who has? It's Jesus Christ. He's freed us. Listen, He has. He's given us beautiful freedom from guilt. Romans 8.1 There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Period. No guilt. Nope. Nothing but a loving, because of what he's accomplished, nothing but a loving Father who said in John 20, verse 17, I am going to your Father, my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Who did all of that? Jesus Christ. Who's the only one that's worthy for us to be gathered around? It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that will do. And that is the object of all true ministry. It's Jesus Christ. It's not do, it's continue to receive what's done. God doesn't put requirements on us that Christ hasn't fulfilled. Obedience to the word, yes, but even he does that. Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God that leads us to, to repent, to change our mind. The goodness of God, that's correct. That's right. Romans 5, 6, when we were yet without strength. 5, 8, when we were active sinners. 5, 10, when we were enemies, we were reconciled. Who did all of that? Oh boy. We're going to close with this. Listen, where ministry is not true. 
By the way, you know, go to a ministry, you got one. <laughs> or you receive the ministry, the ministering of the word. Where ministry is not true, not of God, it will connect souls with itself. You get undue importance. You make a big deal out of yourself. Turn tail and run. <laughs> run, because you won't have fun. <laughs> I'm almost done. <laughs> uh, yes, and in that case, when we do connect ourselves with people, with men of important, so-called importance, guess what? Then human influence will be brought to bear on us. They will influence influence us, and not Jesus Christ. That's what we. That's what men depart from. Oh, they depart from the faith. That's all about Jesus Christ, what He's accomplished. Oh my God, weight of character, education. Oh, I'm a doctor. I have all these. Yeah, okay, tell me about Christ, because if you don't, flush the alphabet. <laughs> flush it. Wealth, position, a thousand things which are all used to form a foundation for the soul's confidence and to shut it out from God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it must be true because that guy said it. Well, is it in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Is it in there? No. No. The faith of the soul, in that case, is made to rest in the wisdom of men, wisdom of men, and not in the power of God. And who's the power of God? Was it Christ and what he accomplished? And for me to experience it takes the Holy Spirit. He's the energy source and the power source that takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. Thank God that in John, as we, this is the closing statement, thank God that you will know when we know the truth. Who's the truth? Oh, it's Jesus. Aha. The truth, Jesus, will set you free from all kinds of things that we just don't have the time for. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>